No, I won't tell her off. It's just nice to know that I'm not the only one that puts my foot in my mouth. These are the, th- these are the little faux pas that get me through. I'm like, well, you're not perfect. Hey, yeah, so how can I cope? And, and really what we're doing this mo- uh, with this series, what we want to be doing is like we're just looking at the world is I- in a place where it's like we're coming out of probably the most insane period of my generation of most most of the generation most of our generations and um we're just on the other side of the worst of it and what we're starting to see is just where everybody's at we're starting to see um the fallout we're starting to see and not just the economic fallout not just the uh the health fallout as far as the disease itself but we're starting to see the emotional fallout and um Interesting stats are coming out globally, uh, particularly about the church, about the way that the church is handling uh, handling this post-COVID s- season. And uh, globally, particularly in the West, churches are looking at being basically the amount of people that were sort of going to church before COVID compared to the same churches post-COVID. They're like, you know, between around 40% less attendance. And we're like, what's going on there? Like, like where, where is... Like what is happening, and as, and 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 what we were, what I like as we're processing this and meditating and talking to God and talking, discussing it, we realize that it's just people are. We're not recovering, as people. We, we're not recovering as a nation. We're watching our friends in church and out of church, but we're seeing a similar sort of uh, energy level across, and, and the church is no different, and. You know, as much as the church should be different and should be setting the standard, you know, on the whole, we're not. On the whole, we're, you know, experiencing the same challenges that the rest of our society are experiencing. And what I want to do this morning is start this series called How Do I Cope? (laughs) Hope is the key, yes. It's a prophetic slip prophetic slip. Anyway, what I want to talk about is I just want to help us to get back on our feet. Um, now, I, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to, in, uh, I was, you know, I used to swim. I used to do swimming club where you'd go and just do laps of the pool. It's fast. It's awesome fun for children. You should, like, make your kids do it. <laughs> Find a cruel and unusual way to punish them. Swimming club. And they swim up and down. Anyway, as I was, when I was um, in my early 20s, and I was working at Teen Challenge. We had this amazing roster. It was 10 days on and four days off. So I'd find myself with a, two, with an air, with a long weekend every fortnight. And um, one of the things I used to do enjoy in my free time is swimming. And I'd go and either do open water swimming or I'd do laps at the pool. And one of the things I'd find is that when you're fresh, your technique's great. Your technique's really, really good. And you swim really efficiently. As you get more and more tired, your technique breaks down and you become less efficient. And what is, is, is the worst thing is because you're getting tired, so you're, do it, you're not doing the basics properly, which makes you less efficient, which make it, it just is a compounding effect. And what, what is actually happening is us as a church, us as a culture, as a people, our basic techniques are broken down. And what we're finding is that we're becoming less efficient. And unless we make some changes, we will continue to go downhill. Um, and, and what I would love for us to do this morning is just to tighten the screws a little bit. I'm going to get super, super practical about how we as a people can 
tighten the screws a little bit in our lives to, to actually cope. Because what we find is that when we cope, what, so for me when I was swimming, what I would do when I was really under pressure is I'd go back to my bad habits. I wouldn't be worrying about the technique. I wouldn't be worrying about doing things perfectly. wouldn't be worrying about doing things excellently. I just would just do what, just what came natural. And, and it's exactly the same in life. And I want to, um, there's a, but if we don't change, nothing changes. If we don't change, nothing changes. And if you're anything like me, you'll find yourself at different points where you're like, oh my goodness, this, the cleaner shrunk my clothes. Or the, it's like, Mel, did you put this in the dryer? He's like, Jacob, I haven't put your stuff in the dryer for however many years because I'm like, mm, well, why is it shrinking? He's like, I don't think it's shrinking, Jacob. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, okay, you've got, you've, got your, you've got my attention. Let's make some changes. Let, and then we actually have to scale. We look at what we've got, look at how we're doing things, and we have to step back and make some changes. And I'd love it for our church if we could just have a look at how our lives are going and just step back and make some changes. Amen? Before I go any further, I just would like to commend our church, and particularly a few people, I just firstly want to read this passage from Revelation 3, uh, verse 7, and it says this, To the church, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, um, this is Jesus is actually talking to, to the Apostle John, in, in, um, and he's actually writing the book of Revelation. It says, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds... See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. I just want to, there's a few people that I want to actually call out and isolate who have gone through, who have kept their strength. Even though they've kept the word, even though the challenges have come, They've not backed down over the last two years of um, Pastor Melissa and Pastor Adele. I just want to honour these girls because they've been amazing. They've pushed and pushed and pushed. And, you know, we all got stuff going on in our lives. So do these guys. Uh, Emma, she uh, who runs our kids' church, has just pushed and has been unbelievably dependable. Uh, Margaret, somebody I want to uh, honour as well, just over two years of just... And these aren't people who life has not challenged. These aren't people who have somehow been uh, out of the storm. These are the people that have gone through just as many challenges as the rest of us. My mother-in-law, Denise, these guys, um, is uh, Greg Banks, who's not here today, so maybe I should take a point off him. So you lose, you lose a point. Who just, but these guys have just, they've had just as many challenges as all of us, and they have not backed down. They have not backed down. Uh, Melissa Kidd, who was another person I wanted to honour and celebrate. Um, Daniel Anthony is another person. These guys have been brutal. These guys have just gritted their teeth and just said, you know what? I'm here. Jesus, use me. And, and, and they have, I promise you, church, these guys have had just as many challenges as all of us. And they've stood their ground. So when we read this in uh, Revelation 3, I love it so much. It's like Jesus is saying to this church, he's like, I know you're tired, but I love that you, have, you haven't backed down. You've kept my word. You've done the basics. 
And I just want to um, honor and, and, and on behalf of our church, really thank those people. Um, and being aware of this, being aware of a season where we have let our technique fall. We know, if you're anything like me, you know, you look back and, yeah, the COVID killers have crept on. The, uh, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling, you know. But what we, we're going to do is, ultimately, it comes down to w- what uh, the Lord Jesus admonished John when he's talking about this church in Philadelphia. He says, I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. You've kept my word. And what that's saying is basically, is you're still doing what the word calls you to do. And we'll take it a step further, and the Lord Jesus puts it like this, Come to me, all you who are weary and, have, uh, weary and burdened. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, You will find, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is not saying that serving God doesn't have a yoke. It's not saying it doesn't have a burden. It's not saying you don't have to pull weight. It's not saying you don't have to lift. But it's saying it's better than the alternative. It's easier than the alternative. And I just, I just want to get some real super practical uh, nuts and bolts stuff here where I almost feel like I'm back mentoring at Teen Challenge. We're working with these brand new Christians who are just coming out of massive dysfunction because, hey, if you're anything like the rest of Australia in the last two years, dysfunction has been like the... You know, like what's what's today's month? It's oh yeah, it's Jan dysfunction. Choose <laughs> it's just like it, it, you go to work, you don't know if you're supposed to wear a mask. Are you allowed in the door? Have you got your right little swipe card? Have you just? It's just insane. Like there's sections at my work where we're not allowed to go in this one. If you're on that team, you have to stay over there. You're not allowed to work with these people. You've got to be away from these people. Hang on, if you if you have a mask on, hang on, my my phone's flat. I'm not allowed to get. You're not allowed to eat. Um, you know, <laughs> it's all sorts of things, and it's just this world's gone crazy. But we're at the point now where we are coming out of dysfunction. As a church, I would love us for it to be leading the way. But one of the things that the first thing we teach our guys at when I was at working at Teen Challenge Drug and Alcohol Rehab is, is have a quiet time. And what's a quiet time? A quiet time is your Bible reading, your prayer, and your private worship. And that is the most essential part of a successful Christian life is having a personal relationship with Jesus, not in idea only. It's like, you know, some people might be, yeah, I'm married. When was the last time you spent time with your wife? Well, let me see, what I- what's the time here? Oh, it's uh, June. Uh, let me think. <laughs> you know, that, that's not how a relationship works. That's spe- definitely not, not how a healthy relationship works. It's definitely not how a relationship where somebody, where you're contributing to each other's well-being works. A healthy relationship is constant communication, constant communion. And with our quiet time, it it goes so much past that because the one we're connecting with is the one who has designed us to be energized by them. The Word of God itself, the Bible, the Scripture says here in, in Psalm 119, it says this, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. It's saying that the scripture itself gives us direction, teaches us how to walk, where to walk. And, and, and really in the context of, of, of this message, we're, we're dealing with uh, anxiety. And it's, listen to this. In Philippians 4, 
verse 4, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. See, that's not saying rejoice always. It's not saying just be happy, people. Be happy. That's the solution. No, no, no. It's rejoice in the Lord. It's rejoice in the Lord. Put your attention in God and rejoice in God. Because sometimes there isn't much stuff to be rejoicing about, but we can always rejoice in the Lord because He is always good. He's always there. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. What's the context of that rejoice? In the Lord. How do you rejoice in the Lord? It's by being with the Lord. And he goes, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What does that mean? Don't worry, pray. We did uh, at youth on, sun, um, on, the way, uh, on, on Tuesday. That was, this was my message. It was so deep. It was this. Don't worry, pray. And if they could say those words, don't worry, pray, they got a Mars bar. And all of them got Mars bars. Should have brought Mars bars here. I think we would have got the point across. But that's what it's saying. Don't worry, pray. So we need this personal time of prayer. We need this personal time of, uh, in the Word. Um, and, and one of the challenges we get is like, we have hard times that stop us doing the basics. But you know what I personally find worse is the good times. It's the answered prayer that keep me away from the basics. You know, I, I just got a promotion recently, and I got a, which means I need to leave home at 5.30 in the morning. So I had a choice. Do I let this promotion take from my quiet time, or do I get up half an hour earlier? And I'm not preaching this because I'm telling you what you should do and I don't do it. No, no, no. I get up half an hour earlier because I know it's critical because I know I can't carry the energy and the joy and the peace through the day if I don't have that quiet time with God before I leave the house. Don't let the good stuff take you away. Don't. It, it, honestly, it's, it's the answered prayer so often. It's the job. It's the child. It's the boyfriend that actually stop us doing the things. The next thing, I w- are really super practical, like I was saying, is, is turn off the news. Turn off the news. They make money scaring you. That's how, that, that's how it works. To properly understand this, video games, the most successful video games are the ones that people don't stop playing. The best way to make a video game the, where, the, where the people don't want to put it down is to actually simulate the idea that you're going to die. And that actually triggers adrenaline, which actually makes it addictive, where you can't put the video game down because it just wires you at this point of stress where you uh, are so engaged because you don't want to die. And the news, they've cottoned on to this. The news tell you you're going to die. They tell you that this is burning down, that's failing, the price of petrol is going to mean you can't eat vegetables if you could, if there were any available, but there's not, so you're going to have to, and they just tell you problem after problem after problem after problem. And what is it doing? It's, it's creating this feedback loop where we're watching it, we're paying attention to it because we're, we're feeding off this adrenaline addiction from the news. They know what they're doing. They, they very well know what they're doing. There's a total negative bias with the news. They know what they're doing. And they're doing it on purpose, and it's to get you addicted to watching it. It's getting you addicted to staying. And the, <laughs> the funny thing about the news is that it's not true. So little of it is true. I, I've heard the, 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 fu- um, the, this, the, the funniest idea is like if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. If you do, you're misinformed. 
and just turn the news off. If you need to know what's going on, fine. 15 minutes, you've got a big picture of what's happening in the world. You don't need it four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven hundred times a day. There's channels that just stick on the news, and I've seen people that leave that channel on. Turn it off. There's, you know, part of the curse in, in Deuteronomy, the, the, the Bible talks about the life that God wants us, and it's called the blessed life. And he talks about the, the, the reward of living for God. And it's an amazing, you want to bless yourself, read the first part of Deuteronomy 28. If you want to actually remind yourself of what, you, what God's done to get you away from, read the second half of Deuteronomy 28. It's talking about the curses and the punishment and just the life without Christ. And let me just read you a, a verse out of that, uh, out of the curse. It says, you will live in constant suspense, filled with dread, both, both night and day, never sure of your life. So part of the curse is you will read the news and believe it. Listen to this. This is part of the curse. This is what God's saying. This is the worst outcome I don't want you guys to have to experience is this. Living in constant suspense, filled with dread, both night and day, never sure of your life. That's what the news is trying to do to us. They're trying to keep us in constant suspense. That's what they're doing. And a lot of, I've heard the word burnout thrown around a lot recently because, and I can tell you from first-hand experience that this, what, what, what we're widely seeing is not burnout. It isn't. It's, it's very different. This is what we're seeing is, a, is what probably is a lot more similar to a battle fatigue, where basically people are living at such a high level of stress for periods of time where our adrenaline and cortisol levels don't get to fluctuate. They are just sitting up at a super high level the whole time and redlining. And we're actually burning at a rate a lot higher than we're supposed to burn. Life is supposed to be ups and downs. Challenges are part of life. You know what? They're even the fun parts of life. Stress and really hectic times, they're part of life. And you know what? If you're honest, some of the best times of your life is when you had to face some challenges and you got to overcome them. They're brilliant. They're the good times. You're not supposed to live there. And we've been living there now as a, as a community for a couple of years. And what, what starts to happen is we are basically at this point where we, we're tired. We're tired. And we're, we're, we're not burning out in the sense of what, what's typically, what, like typical burnout is. But it's a type of it, but it's more like a battle fatigue where somebody's been living in a stressful environment for a period of time. We think of the word battle fatigue. We're thinking of soldiers who are embedded in hostile environments for massive periods of time where they can't actually rest because it's not safe. We're in this place where we can't actually, we felt we can't actually rest because it's not safe, because we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We're told that if someone coughs on us, it could die, or if worse, kill your sick grandma, and all of these things, and it's just, we don't know what's right and what's up and what's down. And, and we've been living at this point for so long that we're tired. And when we're tired, what happens? Our techniques break, breaks down. What happens when our technique breaks down? We become less efficient. And what does that do? It makes us more tired. So we're, we're, <laughs> what we're trying to do here is to actually break the cycle. We're trying to break it. Turn off the news. Short thing to do. If you need to watch, you need to know what's going on, Flip it on for 15 minutes. Get the big picture. Turn it up. Do yourself a favor. Turn it off. Going, jumping back off just a touch further from Philippians where I, where I read about don't worry, pray. 
The next verse says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You want to get some news? That's the news you want. <laughs> you want stuff? The Bible, this, is, this is the stuff that God's saying, no, no, pepper your head with that. Not, not bombard yourself with the world's problems, not constant dread, constant suspense. No, no, no. Constantly reminding yourself of these positive things, of whatever's lovely, admirable, pure, right, excellent, noble, true, praiseworthy. That needs to be what's pl- on repeat in your mind. That needs to be what's on repeat. And then, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, I, I said I'm being super practical. And, and, and forgive me if this isn't, doesn't sound like a Bible study or anything like that. And it just does sound a bit like someone's basically telling me a, a combination of basic life skills. But I'm going to do it. Because sometimes we do need that. Exercise. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. The wicked run when no one is chasing them. See, the most, peop- most Christians think that this is their scriptural reasoning for not jogging. The wicked run even though no one's chasing him. <laughs> but what we can really see here is that people run when people are chasing them. Okay? Now, these chemicals the body puts in our system... They're good chemicals. The Bible uh, tells us that God made you fearfully and wonderfully. He's designed you in a way like this. And we get this amazing thing called fear. What is fear bad? Yeah, yeah, fear's bad if you're living in a constant state of it. Fear itself is actually can be super helpful. If you've got a lion chasing you, a really good idea is to be afraid and run. Just a suggestion. And God has designed you in such a way that when you are afraid, your body spikes with a a chemical called adrenaline and cortisol lives in your system and you are heightened. And in this heightened state, you are actually equipped to be able to run faster, fight harder than you normally are. So what happens when we're in this environment of stress and we're not being chased and those things are still in our system? We have to get them out still. Your body is prepared to exercise vigorously when it's stressed. And if you're not exercising vigorously after you're stressed, it stays in your system and starts to it, it, and it stays in there and keeps you at this place that we've just read called constantly uh, under suspense, constantly in fear, constantly in it, it's that exercise is what that chemical is designed, that God designed that chemical to, to help you do. So a great way when you're feeling like that is go and exercise. It actually flushes it out of your system. And it actually makes you feel amazing. And it actually lifts your mood. And other amazing chemicals go into your brain. Uh, And you feel wonderful. And God's designed you like this. It's one of the best things you could possibly do when you're feeling stressed is go and exercise. Because those, that feeling that, you've got to understand that God made you like this. We're in a situation where we're not managing the stress because who are you going to fight? Who are you going to fight when the TV tells you to be scared? You're going to fight your TV? It's a good start. 
But that's not what, it, we're actually designed to, to get really vigorous physical activity when we're afraid. And one of the best things you can do so that doesn't just build up inside of you is to do some exercise. It says here, you will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both day and night, never sure of your life. When it starts to happen, burn it off. Go to church. To be honest, I've always loved going to church. Ever since I was a little kid, I, I just loved going. I used to look forward to it as I was a kid. The only reason I actually stopped going to church is because... This is like secret confessions time. So I was like 12 years old. I pulled a knife on a kid in church. I was in a little tough time in my life, as you would have to be to pull a knife on a kid at any point. And I was scared that I was going to get in trouble by the pastor at church for pulling a knife on this kid. So I figured if I could just not go for a few weeks, let it all cool down. You know, they'll forget about it. It'll go. They knew I was going through a really hard time. I knew they'd be understanding. I didn't re- what I really didn't want is them talking to my mum. That was probably the main thing. And I thought, if I can just avoid it all for long enough, it'll blow over. And, and, and then, so I managed to dodge a few weeks like that. And then one of my brothers comes in a few weeks late, like, you know, toward the end of it. Where we're getting ready for church. I'm like, right, this is the day I'm going to find out whether they've got over it or not. And then there's a big fight, which there always seems to be Sunday morning. The demons attack your house on a Sunday morning, man. It's like the kids are fighting. Mum and dad are fighting. It's just life. It's just like... This is the day your car's not going to start. It's like you think if there's no spiritual battle of you being in church isn't important. Why does the devil try to stop you going to church on a Sunday morning if it's not important? And for me, then my brother comes in. He's like, Jacob, tell mum we don't want to go to church. And I'm like, hmm. Because I, I knew I was in for a fair bit of trouble. Like 12 years old or whatever it was and pull a knife on someone. Your mum's going to bust you. I'm like, right. And then I, I, I told mum... You know, and then and that's basically where I stopped going to church. But I loved it. I didn't want to stop going. I loved going there. And then once I reconnected with God when I was twenty one, you couldn't keep me out of church. You couldn't keep me out. When I I was working in it for a Christian organization, encouraging people to go to church on my weekends off, I'd still be in there going to church on my holidays I'd be going to church like as many times as I could find one open. And then I got to like get a job as a pastor. Like, how good's this? I get to work at church. But for the last couple of years, I have to be really honest with you, it's been hard. For the first time really in my life, I've just woken up and it's, it's a chore. It's felt like, oh gosh, another few hours sleep. It'd be awesome. Getting out of my trackies. Really? Jesus, are you sure you want me to suffer like this? And it's like, no, you have to go. You're the pastor. And, and to be really, really fair with you guys and honest, uh, that some of the days, that's the only reason I've been here. Some of the days, the only reason I've been here is because my name's on stuff around the place. Which is why I, I just take my hat off to those people that I honoured earlier, because some of you guys' names not on stuff. And you came because you served Jesus at any price. And that, for me, is, you guys are my heroes. And... This, this is what the scripture says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us hold unswervingly. 
is talking in the context of being in church. And, and, and this can often get misconstrued and people say, well, I've got Christian friends that we hang out with and stuff. It, to understand the context of this passage, it's not talking about Christian friends. That's awesome you've got Christian friends. It's awesome you've got a Christian community and people that you reach out. This is talking about the structure of the church. This is, when it, we're, this is talking about fellowshipping with God's people in the structure of church. Unswervingly. Why does it say to hold on unswervingly? Because there's times when you want to swerve. There's going to come times where you want to go left when you need to go straight. It's going to happen. And it says here, don't let that happen. And But then it go, I love how it goes on. It says, let us, um, it, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. This is saying you need to be there because someone needs you. You need to be there because you need someone. This is how when you feel like swerving and I don't, I can help you not swerve. When I feel like swerving and you don't, you can help me not swerve. This is, it's we need each other. You need to be here. I need to be here. We need each other. And, and even for our online community, to really, to really, really understand and appreciate the fullness of this is we need to be in the house of God. We need to be in here. We love our, our online family and our online community. But to really understand our heart when we started our online ministry, we had people in our church who were FIFO. And we know that, okay, well, because you're away, we still want you to be able to be part of what's going on here. And sure, while you're away, then you get to be part of it as best as you're able. But then when you're here, be here. When we had, we had senior people who their health wasn't so good and they were in and out. And we wanted for those people, when they're not able to be in the house, they can still be part of what's going on here. It was never supposed to replace being in the house of God. It's to add to it. It's for when you can't be here, you still get to connect but it's never supposed to replace being in the house of God. So we don't want, we, we love our online family. We know that there are people that can't be here. But if you're able to be here, this is the place to be. This is the place to be. Um, and, and it's just one of the basic parts of, of this life is be in church. We need each other. We need your faith. We need your faith. The person needs you. You can help people in their week. It, it, it's one of those things that, as important as it is to be not brainwashing yourself with negativity on the news, as important as it is to be reading your Bible on a regular basis, to be praying on a regular basis, fellowshipping with God's people in God's house is a necessary part of this successful Christian life. I tell you what, I've had times in worship where my heart has just been released. Yeah, I've had it happen other places, but I've had it have it up like in my car when I'm worshiping here and there. But I've had that happen maybe a few times. But how many times have I had it happening in church worshiping? It's like 10 to 1. It's 10 to 1. The scripture says that where two are gathered in my name, there I am. So when we're all able to get in another place, it says that when we're worshiping, he inhabits the praises of our people. When two are in agreement, there are, there's this compounded effect of worshiping together, being together. It's, it's, it's scriptural, this, the intensity of the presence of God when we're in the community together, when we're together in the house, worshiping together, hearing the word together, believing together. Our faith compounds. It's real. 
It's real. It's not just a thing a pastor does because we love our KPIs of, oh, we got six men, this many seats in the... No, it's, got not, it's not to do with that. It isn't to do with that. It's to do with having people connecting with God and living a full and excellent life the way God wants us to. It's, it's not an, it, it can't be a negotiable. And again, it's the blessings that so often stop us being here. When people connect with God, one of the first things I like to do is say, hey, they've just given their heart to Jesus. Now, this is what's going to happen. Is you're going to get asked to work on a Sunday. A girl's going to come in your life probably this week. <laughs> and the amount of times I've seen somebody come and give their heart to Jesus, and in a very, very short space of time, I'm talking a matter of two weeks, a relationship pops up, takes them out of church. Work situation changes, takes them out of church. It's something that we've got to, it, it's real. The devil knows he, it's bad for him when you're in church. Take uh, this. This, it, this, this. It's just some of the basic stuff, guys. It's, it's some of the basic stuff is how we win. Some of the basic stuff is how we're going to snap out of this season and fly into our next season. Amen. Uh, um, the next point I've got here is eat healthily. Now, again, understanding this cortisol in our body and the the, the, the stress hormones that go through our body, understanding it means we. When your body's freaking out, right, you've got to go back to think how we're so intricately, intricately and amazingly designed. You were designed to be able to handle war. You were designed to be able to handle famine. You were designed to be able to handle such challenges. And what happens when our body comes under stress, it fights back and it, it knows things and prepares. So when you're under stress, your body's like, right, bad things are about to happen. Two things are needed. One is energy and the other is stored fat. These are the two things, because what times are getting lean, we need to have fat in our bodies to be able to draw from for lean times coming up for stress. The other thing is, is we need instant access to fuel, because why? Fighting, different things. So you know what your body craves when you're under stress? Super high calorie food. Now there's a passage here again, this is like, you know, some of you read this and you think, this is the, this is my, thus saith the Lord, it says the righteous eat to their heart's content, Proverbs 13, 25. In the, in the NIV, it says, the righteous eat to their heart's content. Well, who am I to stop the word of the Lord? Some of you look like you're really righteous. I'm not making eye contact with nobody. And I definitely can't talk. The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. But uh, And in Proverbs uh, in the same passage in the, King ja in the New King James, actually, it makes it a bit clearer, where it's not Jesus saying, being a glutton's my reward for you. No, it says, the righteous eat to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. So that word, it's talking about society, society, and that's actually what the original Hebrew word is talking about. It's the righteous eat till they're satisfied in their soul. And really what that, really a good way of looking at this is when we're in our stressful times and you want to go to, the, you want to go and just hammer those salt and vinegar chips, Melissa. Or the chocolate. Again, not making eye contact. I'm just going to preach to this side of the room. What our bodies scream, that, that, but, uh, but it's normal. It's normal. 
that in these hard times, you're going to want to eat junk food. No, you talk about COVID kilos. How many of your COVID kilos, not yours, your next door neighbors, people you know, how many of the COVID is from junk food? And, and that's what it is. It's because your body's just screaming for this high-calorie, like, calorie-dense food. So what we're going to be thinking is, like, okay, well, well, I understand I'm in a stressful environment. I understand I'm in a stressful time. And I can either bow to the stress and do the things like get up at the last minute I can, disregard having my quiet time. I can just watch the news because it twangs me out and gives me an energy to, fo- to keep going. I, you know, I can... Well, give myself a Sunday off because, you know, Jesus understands. It's, I can eat the food that my body's craving. Or we can actually take authority over our lives. Be disciplined. No, you know what? I'm not thinking about that stuff. I'm going to think about what is good and is noble. No, I'm going to get up half an hour earlier and read my Bible. No, I'm going to, instead of putting the news on in the car, my drive to work, I'm going to put a sermon on. I'm going to put some worship on. When I'm feeling hungry toward the end of it, instead of smashing junk food, you know what? No, no, my body actually wants to be some satiation, which I can tell you that no matter how much chips you eat, if you're not satisfied, speaking from experience here, testify. You know, like high protein, high fiber foods. Yes, what does that sound like? Whole foods, healthy. Blah, who wants that? When you, but that, but what it's saying is like your body's not craving. What wh- wh- the best thing for you isn't just to satisfy the craving of your flesh at that point. It doesn't doesn't solve the problem. There are times where we've got to start to take control of our lives back, church. If you're anything like me you know there is a lot of improvement. Just And I'm, this is, I could not have preached a more simple message. In my, I don't know if I've ever preached a more basic, simple discipleship message in my whole life. Just read your Bible, be in church, look after your body. And who, who knows, but that might equip you to not just get through this season, but to springboard you into the next season. Control your thoughts. Be mindful of what you put in front of your eyes. Be mindful of what you put, your, put in your ears. Man, I'm done with this season. I'm through with it, church. For me, recognizing when I'm feeling stressed, understanding what's going on, being super practical about how I can manage it, and how I can actually get through it in a way that's going to make me feel better, not just going to satisfy the craving at the time. Pay the price. Be in church. Encourage one another. Be encouraged. How do I cope? How, can I, how do I cope? That's how we cope. It's, it's, it's not the big picture, and it's, uh, it's, it can be a lot more complex. But that's the basics. And you've got to start with the basics, hey? I'm going to pray because everything I've said is super simple, but I know it's not easy. Super simple and super easy, they're different. You know, the scripture says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, and I've never understood the correlation of these until this second as I'm just, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind and self-control. 
of love and of power and of a sound mind and self-control. Who would have known why a, a sound mind and a, a, self, a, a spirit of self-control is contrasted with a spirit of fear? Because fear calls us, calls us to run to our base instincts, to our most animal instincts. But you're not animals. We're not called to live in survival mode. And I know a lot of us have been, myself included, for, for much of this period of time. But we're coming out, church. We will not be living with the spirit of fear one day longer. We will be living with the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind and of self-control. So, Lord, we just bring you these points, Lord God, these different areas, the need of our quiet time, the need to not be addicted to bad news, the ability to tell ourselves to exercise, to prioritize being in church, to make it a non-negotiable in our lives. to treat our body like a temple when it comes to food. Lord, we know that our base instincts run from all of those things. The human condition, the flesh, is what the scripture calls it. <laughs> it's lazy, <laughs> it's gluttonous. Lord, we need your spirit more than ever. God, we recognize that we've let our standards slip, Lord God. We know that. And I thank you that there is no condemnation. I thank you that you do understand. Lord, but we come before you repenting, Lord Jesus. Repenting. Committing this next season to you, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to just cope in the sense of getting by. We want to be experiencing the blessed life that you've called us to. But we need your spirit of self-control to manifest in our lives, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, by faith, we put our weight, the weight of our faith, we put our weight, Lord God, on this promise that you've given us this spirit of self-control. And in Jesus' name right now, I just call down just a, just a manifestation of that spirit, Lord God, that it would come in our lives, Lord God, that we would just see it so prevalent in our lives, Lord, that when we go to grab at the junk food, there's a moment where we stop and say, you know what, is that what I actually need right now? Is that actually what's best for me right now? Is that what's actually going to satisfy me right now? When the alarm goes off and we make our best intentions at night and set that alarm a little earlier, when it goes off in the morning and we go to hit snooze, that we would actually have a moment where, Lord, we would just be motivated to sit up, to turn on the lamp, to read. And Lord, I just pray for amazing quiet times. Lord, I thank you that you've got a body and we are all necessary parts of the body. That on a Sunday morning when we gather, we would leave so fueled up for the week, Lord. 
so glad we came that when next Sunday rolls around and we don't feel like getting out of bed or that appointment comes up or we're offered the overtime, that, that we just, there's no way I'm doing that. What, there's no way I'm turning, this, turning down being in the house of God. Lord, we want to live for you. We want to please you. We need you in our lives. Our community needs you. Our nation needs you. Let us be salt and light to this world, Lord. Let us shine. We give our lives to you just afresh this morning. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, we talked about this life where we're just giving it to God and living for God. I just... I know that some people are in a different place where you, you, you can't say, oh, I've got to get, get refocused on God because maybe you've never been focused on God or maybe it's been so long. If that's you and you want to say, hey, Jacob, I want to start this life with God today. I'm just going to invite you to, we're just going to say a prayer as a church. If you're online, I'd love for you to join us as well. I'm just going to say a prayer, and I just want all of us as a church to pray this. If you're praying this for the first time or you're reconnecting with God, I just pray, just ask, you mean it with all of your heart. Just repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to live for you. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Forgive me for living life my own way. Give me grace to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, bless you guys. We're just going to just spend a bit of time in worship. And I, I actually think that as we're worshiping, I, I can just hear a call to repentance. I can just hear a call to repentance. I can hear God just saying, come home. Let's just, just come before God and just, just soft hearts, soft hearts. Just let God speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited, church, for this next season. So excited for what God's going to do in us, through us. Thank you, Lord.